Hey, law firm owners, welcome to the Your Practice Master podcast. We're your hosts. I'm MPS. And I'm Richard James. And today we're going to talk about what we call it Throwback Thursday, where we're going to go back in time a little bit, Michael. Yeah, Throwback Thursday, going back to some of the old pieces of content that many of you law firm owners probably haven't had the chance to enjoy or listen to yet. But Rich, why don't you tell them a little bit more about that? Yeah, look, I've been doing this for, what, 15-ish years. I've got over 120 pieces of content that I put out there for members way back when or for public consumption, but they've been lost in a black box or the mess of the internet and difficult to find. And so now we're going in and finding evergreen content that are eternal truths about what you should do to maximize the performance in your law firm, build systems that run your law firm, allow people to run your systems. And I'm teaching these what we'll call miniature master classes on how to accomplish this system building excellence and we're going to post those to you whether they're an interview or me talking one-on-one or teaching or doing a screen share whatever it is you might see me with a little younger face maybe a little bit less gray in my beard i might even sound younger smoked a few less cigars but the value information will still be there Yeah, I mean, look, there's value bombs dropped in each of these. They've been highly curated from us to make sure we're getting you the most value possible. And we have one ask. Around here, we call it the gentleman's agreement. And so we invest our time, money, and resources in producing excellent content for you. So if this isn't your first time listening or watching to the pod, all we ask is that you go ahead and hit that like button. You comment down below if you've got any questions or you're enjoying it. And depending on the platform you're listening or watching on, you hit that follow or subscribe button and turn those bell notifications on. And hey, feel free to share it with your other law firm owner peers. Doesn't hurt, but we appreciate you guys. I don't know about you, Rich. I think we let them jump in and enjoy this. Yeah, man, I think go ahead and enjoy it. We've taken our time to try to remaster this, give you good audio, good sound. Make sure, we, as Michael said, hand curated it for you to make sure it's value add. And so I can't wait for you to hear and let us know whether you enjoyed this particular masterclass version. Hello, everybody. My name is Richard James. For those of you who don't know who I am, my goal is to work with entrepreneurial-minded attorneys to help them build the systems in their practice that can develop a law firm that supports their lifestyle rather than completely undermining their lifestyle. And for me, really, it's all about um, it's about these systems one at a time. And, and today, we're going to be unpacking one particular system, which is the system of lead conversion from the phone. The, the number one challenge I find with law firms is that their phones are broken. Um, The goal of today is to help you understand how to increase your conversions. The title says, I'll read it for you, increase your initial consultations by 83% today without spending a single nickel on advertising dollars. That's correct. This system works even if your firm is already doing so well, you don't believe you need more initial consultations. Now, some of you call them potential new clients. Some of you just call them appointments. Some of you call them initial consultations. I don't know what your language is. My language is always initial consultations inside my perfect client lifecycle, which I'll talk to you about in a little bit. I talk to them about uh, this concept of appointments, so setting appointments. Um, so we oftentimes refer to them as sets. For those of you who were just at Partners Club not long ago, you'll recognize that headline, right? So I used the formula that we learned at Partners Club about how to write a good headline. You know, it was this idea of what it is that we're going to talk about by when are we going to talk about it without having to do something and then even if, right? So if you're astute and you're from Partners Club and you're in our world and you saw this last couple of weeks ago at Partners Club, 
you see that I'm using this formula because it works in all aspects. Some housekeeping uh, for those of you that are in our Richard James family already, by all means, remember that the next Partners Club event is in May and the booking for that is up and live. We are at the Sheraton again, but they've already told me that, you know, it's a smaller hotel and they will book out. So you want to make sure you take care of that sooner than later. We're going to have exciting topics there that I won't get into right now, but know that you're definitely going to want to bring a guest, somebody who's important to you and that is helpful in implementing all of the concepts in your business. So here's the three things we're going to try to discover today. We're going to eliminate the one deadly mistake all law firms make at some point. I would say, hint, it's not what you think. My proprietary 11-step system to increase your new appointments by 83%, and specifically today. So if you just take these 11 steps, my goal today is to give you the 11 steps so you can take it and use it, all right? So you can actually just rock and roll with this, and you can put it in play. Now, for those of you who are in my world, you've heard me talk about this before, but what I noticed at Partners Club, as I came up, the people came up to me in the hall, and they were talking to me about software, or they were talking to me about setting appointments. They were really not understanding all of the steps the way that I have them worded. So I'm going to take some time. I haven't done an 11-step process in a long time, and so I'm going to take some time, and I'm going to unpack what these 11 steps are so that you can understand what my words mean. If you're using software to manage this, that's great, but still you or whoever's managing the team, whoever's answering the phones really needs to understand why I built these steps the way that I did. And, and quick story, you know, I went down to Mexico not long ago to visit a software company that I invested in. It's called Four Eyes, and we'll talk a little bit more about that too. But when I was in Mexico, the staff members there were just so much fun to be around. They really were. And in part, that was because they made me feel real special because they brought me over to where they had my 11 steps already on the wall. So they broke these 11 steps out and they put them on the wall. And that didn't shock me as much as did the fact that when I asked them, you know, why such a big deal over the 11 steps? Because to me, it, it just seems second nature. They said, you know, they've worked for a lot of call center worlds where they were answering phone and setting appointments for professionals like doctors or nurses, doctors or dentists or attorneys. And a lot of the other things that the other call centers had them do didn't work. And this formula actually works. And because they were compensated or bonused on how many appointments they set and how many appointments showed up, they loved this system. So this, what I'm about to tell you works in real time. It works every time but you have to understand it. And, and the person who's gonna own it, you the owner, have to, have to know why we did what we did. And, and then we're also gonna talk about how to set an appointment that'll actually arrive to your door, ready to retain your firm. That's inside the 11 steps, but I want you to see, because of the way we structured it, the way we structured it, they're more liable to retain your firm because of the way we do this. So let's keep going and I'll kind of unpack this for you. So who's gonna benefit more from the most from this is designed for anybody who sets appointments. So if your firm tends to hire your consults, you know, somebody dials in, let's say you're a DUI firm and somebody dials into your office and you attempt to sell them your services to our DUI right there over the phone, or somebody dials into your office and so their social security disability or PI, and you don't set a consult for them. You try to sell them right now. The structure of this isn't designed to make a sale, but what you need to know is it'll still work. You'll just need to do some tweaking. This particular 11 steps 
I call the 11-step structure of setting the appointment or the 11-step structure of the phone call. We have 11-step structures or 13-step structures for all different variants. So for collections, for making the sale, for doing different things. This particular 11-step structure we're talking about right now is about setting the appointment that will actually show up to the office. Now, I'll, I'll kind of unpack that for you a little bit more. So he, here's why this is important. This is a system inside of all the systems that I teach. So I teach uh, entrepreneurial-minded attorneys how to build systems in a law firm that will set them free. And my goal is to truly get them towards freedom. But there's many different systems that they need to know. And what happens to me more often than not is when an attorney comes into my world, either for the first time or as a lead, or maybe they've been around for a while and they just come back to me and they go, you know, I'm just finally starting to get it. I ask, well, what was your challenge? And they tell me that either they don't have enough time, they can't get home in time for dinner, they can't not work a weekend, they're working seven days a week, you know, eight hours to 10 hours a day. They can't take a vacation, certainly without their cell phone or their laptop attached to their hip coaching their kids baseball team or whatever, that's not even an option for them. Or they don't have any money. So they're not making enough money, the money they deserve to make, the money that they, after all the money they've invested into time, education, both in time and in real dollars, they don't make the return on investment. Or maybe they don't have a system to retire. You know, they're getting past 55. They're thinking about retirement and they're saying to themselves, I'd like to sell the firm or succeed the firm, but they don't have a system to do that. Well, this is one of the pieces of the overall systems you need to accomplish that goal. Today, we are going to be talking about how to convert more of your leads into appointments that actually show up and want to retain your firm. Um, so let's keep moving. Before we go any further, we have to start with the same place we always start with. So I can see a lot of you on video. Hi, Jeff Kelly. Yeah, we, we're going to start in the same way that we always start. And we are going to raise our right hand and we're going to take this off. Now, here's what I'm going to have you do, okay? Because every one of you right now are thinking some version of, but wait a second, Richard, you don't seem to understand, you know, I answer my own phones. This isn't going to work for me. Or Betty, who's been answering my phones for all these years, she has her way of doing it. She is not going to change the way she's doing it. Or, you know what, this might work fine in that big city like Phoenix, but, you know, in Paducah, Kentucky, this ain't ever going to work. So my point is, you're, somebody out there right now is thinking, my business is different than yours. And so we start the same way we always start. So I'm going to unmute everybody real quick, and we're going to take this oath together. So uh, it's going to sound like a cacophony, but we're going to do it. I'm going to unmute everybody and unmute everybody again. So, all right, raise your right hand, repeat after me. My business, my business is not different. It's not different. It's not different. From yours. From yours. All right. Thank you for participating and muting you back again. So the premise here is that what I'm teaching you works in every single business I have ever built, specifically law firms, and now having worked with personally hundreds of attorneys directly and, and, and really taught to thousands of attorneys over my lifetime, this system works time and time again. But it is only one little piece of the puzzle but it is a piece of the puzzle that can make you more money today. Like today, if you're not doing this, if something's broken, if your number of appointments that you're setting as compared to the number of leads that you get are not high, like high, like 70, 80%, we've got a problem. And so we need to fix that today. Let's talk about it. So why is it important to learn now? Because if your perfect client life cycle is broken, we're gonna talk about that in just a minute. 
you, the only way to fix it is to start in the very beginning. And the very beginning stage is to set your appointments. But there's a bigger point here. I've been doing more and more reading about the legal Zooms of the world and the online competitors are starting to creep up. And more and more of your competitors are getting more savvy about their marketing and advertising. I'm seeing it out there more. I'm hearing the cost per client acquisition is going up. If you don't maximize the number of people who pick up your phone and call you into appointments, we're missing a huge component of this puzzle. Think about this. Sally Smith is struggling financially. She's got credit card debt and she's being pounded on by, by creditors. And she realizes she needs help and she picks up the Google and she starts Googling you and she picks up the phone and she calls you. And for whatever reason, she will not set an appointment. Now, why would she not set an appointment? Well, in my experience, most times she doesn't set an appointment is because one of these 11 steps were broken. And the person that was answering the phone wasn't well-trained. And there's lots of things that I mean by that. Sometimes Sally picks up the phone and she calls and it goes right to the attorney's cell phone voicemail. And the voicemail is full. Sometimes Sally calls the law office and the law office doesn't answer. It goes to the law office voicemail and they have to call her back. Sometimes Sally picks up the phone and calls the law office and the law office automatically puts them on hold because the same person that's answering Sally's call is answering everybody else's call in the firm as well, or maybe also greeting people at the front desk and somebody just walked in and they didn't have time to answer Sally's call right there. Sometimes Sally calls the office and when they're greeted, they can tell that they're not greeted warmly and whoever answered the phone is in the middle of 10 different things and they're completely distracted and they can't give Sally the attention that she needs. And Sally then decides that this isn't a firm that she can instantly trust because Sally determines trust within nanoseconds of the phone being answered. Sally might call and the phone may ring 10 times before it's answered, in which case Sally's already questioning whether this firm is for her or not. This comes under the concept of micromanaging the client experience and inside of micromanaging the client experience, we are going to want to maximize the way in which we set appointments. And the reason we want to do that is because Sally needs help. And your job is to believe that you are the very best firm to help Sally. And in order for Sally to get that help, we need to get her to the next stage in the process. The phone call's job is not to sell Sally, unless that's your model. If your model is setting consults, the phone call's job is to just set the consult to get them to the next stage. So in order to do that, we have to follow a structure, not a script, but a structure. And that's what the 11 steps is all about. And the reason this is more important now than ever is because you've got more competition than you've ever had before, and including not only other attorneys, but what's going on online. Okay, so we're gonna talk about the lead conversion machine. That's really where we are in this conversation and the systems that I teach you to build, this global system is called the lead conversion machine. And so some people might go, well, I don't really know you all that well, why should I listen to you? I'm not gonna get into a whole big lengthy story, just know that for those that need reminding, an attorney saw me speak from the stage a decade ago, asked me if what I told, talked about really worked, and I talked about all of this then. And I said, yes, and he said, prove it. I said, what do you have in mind? I went to work with him. We shared a desk, kneecap to kneecap. And within two and a half years, we built that to three and a half million dollars in annualized sales. Um, and that was literally just two guys sharing a desk, growing it into 19 employees um, and two and a half years later. That's one part of the story. The other part of the story is that guy 
that attorney got his life back. He, he didn't have a life. He made money. He was already successful making money before that, but he didn't have any time, couldn't take vacations. And so we got him to that number, but he was able to take the vacations too. But I think more importantly is it's specific to this particular lesson. If we talk about Bert Diener, and I said I would talk about four eyes in a little bit. Bert you know, started into my world and his challenge is that his top side number, he, he was doing you know seven figures a year, but his top side number, gross numbers, were nice, but his bottom side numbers, you know, what I call the sanity numbers, I, I say it like this, for all of you who know me, you know the top side numbers are for vanity, bottom side numbers are for sanity. His sanity numbers were horrible. He was losing money every month. And so Bert and I really talked about, well, how do we increase conversion across the board? And one of the first things that we did was look at teaching him these 11 steps. And so he would take his team members and he would put them on my, what I called your staff trained calls, where I would take his team member and I would listen to a recording and I would train them through these 11 steps. And Bert loved this so much because his team members were coming back telling him about the great results that what he did was he actually built some software on it. So it says it here that before Bert was scheduling about 40 to 50% of all of his leads into consults. After they put the 11 step system in, they were scheduling over 80% of their leads into consults. Now that alone, just do the math. I mean, I don't know how many leads you get, but just run the math on that to see what the end net result is in client value for you as a firm and how that affects your profitability. But he believed in it so much that he actually went ahead and built software for it. So I watched Bert build this software to automate my 11 steps. He, he, he was so happy about it. One day he called me and said, hey, I want you to see something. And he showed it to me and he really wanted to beta test it. So he did. He beta tested it in our world and he got great results for our clients. So I fell in love with it so much as a full disclaimer, I became an investor. We're not here to, to sell you or pitch four eyes, but this story is powerful in that here you got a guy who by most attorneys definition was already successful. He had multiple offices with millions of dollars in sales, but what most people didn't know is he wasn't profitable. And one of the ways we looked at maintaining profitability or increasing profitability was getting more conversions, more new clients out of leads he was already getting. And so by using the 11 steps, he increased his conversion from 40% to 80%. And because he did that, and because his staff responded to it so well, he decided to build software to automate this process, actually created an entire new company. He's become free from his law firm. He doesn't practice law anymore. Somebody else actually runs his firm. He keeps his eyes on what we call the key performance indicators. But now he spends the majority of his time building this company called Four Eyes, which is designed to develop software to help clients actually automate these 11 steps. But that's not the point of today's call. The point of today's call is for you to understand what the 11 steps are because you can't automate them until you know what they are. And you've really, inside, you've decided that you're going to do this. You understand the reason for it. Okay. Wow. We're up to 81. So there's been new people coming on. For those of you that are coming on, we are talking about using the 11 step structure of the call to convert more leads into appointments. You can see right here, this is our perfect client life cycle. Inside the perfect client life cycle, you can see that it says lead generation, converting to appointments, increasing show rate, new clients, getting paid and obtaining referrals. So to be clear, this is the path that I see that all leads take as they go through your law firm. So first they raise their hand, they become a lead, and then they convert to an appointment. Whether they do this on their own because you've got some software on your website that they do this with, or they do this you know, because you have a pick up the phone and call them, I don't, doesn't really matter. What we're trying to do today though is increase the number of conversions we get because of the use of the telephone. Now the next stage is increasing the show rate. So the number of people that set appointments as compared to the number of people that show. And the next stage is increase the number of new clients. 
We're not going to pay attention to getting paid and obtaining referrals today. That's another conversation. But this particular system that I'm teaching you today directly affects the number of appointments that we set as compared to the number of leads and the number of people that will show up and the number of people that will hire the firm. You'll see more about why that is later. Now, this is a worksheet that we use. This is the top side of the worksheet. The bottom side of the worksheet actually looks like this. And so when you actually take these numbers out, if you're in our Partners Club program, every quarter we have our Partners Club members fill this out. This is something you should know weekly, by the way, but we have them do it at least on a monthly basis so they know it at least four times a year they're going to get this done. All of you should know these numbers weekly. I run our numbers every week and I actually see my numbers every day. So basically what this is saying is we take the number of new leads, we put them here, the number of new sets, put them here, number of new shows, number of hires, number of paying, number of referrals. And then this little conversion here, this is where all the magic happens. So it's what percentage of new leads did we set appointments? What percentage of appointments showed up? What percentage of shows hired? And you see, as you start to map this out, what you find is if you think about Bert, you know, if he had a, for every hundred leads, he was setting 40 appointments. Well, in his case, if he now set 80 appointments out of those hundred leads, and if his show rate was 50%, which is marginally horrible, but let's say it's 50%, that means instead of 20 people showing up, 40 people are showing up. And let's say that 50% of the people he met with hired the firm. And so instead of 10 people hiring the firm, 20 people hired the firm. We literally doubled the number of new clients that you brought into the firm without spending more money in marketing. That's what we did to Bert's firm. We doubled the number of clients coming into the firm without spending more money on marketing. That's the secret. That's why we're doing what we're doing. But I'd say the real reason why we're doing what we're doing is because of this, right? I'd said earlier that Bert is free and you can say that this is a timeline. So you've got now one year, two year, three years. And what I find is most attorneys start in our world either in chaos or growth. They're either in debt, working seven days a week, they've got no time, no money, and they have no plan to retire or they're living month to month, kind of like, you know, they're scared when payroll comes around, if they're going to hit it. They work at least six days a week and their profit is really low. They just have the paycheck or their draw that they take from their business, but it's not significant. And if they had to pay somebody to replace themselves, there wouldn't be any real profit for them to, to live off of as a business owner. And what we find is if we do nothing between now and, and the next three years, we're going to have at best, the same results, if not no change, the definition of insanity. But where we want to get our members to, and all the people that I work with to, my real goal is to help you get healthy. I want you to have a staff that runs your business. I want you to be able to work five days a week if you want. And I want you to have some profit. So if you had to replace yourself and you didn't do any of the legal work or any of the actual work in your business, that you would have profit that you could live off of as an investor. And ultimately, I want everybody to get to freedom where you've got a million dollars in personal wealth and I'm not talking about because your value of your house went up. I'm talking about cash, okay? You work three days a week because you want to stay active in the business and you like the business, but not because you have to be there. And the business gives you what we call passive income. Now, why this is so important? You know, it's funny, Ron Morton, I don't know if Ron's on the call. Sorry, I got a lot of people on here, Ron. Ron Morton had me come on and be a guest at his law, as his law uh, school yesterday, so Monday. So I, at eight o'clock in the morning here, I jumped on and I did a webinar or a webcast similar to this for his law students. And I asked them, you know, how many of them consider themselves entrepreneurs? And, and only one hand went up. And then I asked, well, how many planned on going out and opening their own firm right 
after they graduate from law school. And like two hands went up. And then I said, so it's safe to assume that everybody else assumes you're going to go work for somebody else. And they all said, yeah. I said, okay, how many of you that are going to go work for somebody else expect that at some point in your career will open your own law firm? Every single hand went up. So they don't see themselves as entrepreneurs. They didn't think about it from a business perspective first. And they all expected to go out and open their own law firm. It had been the first time, by the way, that I ever talked to law students. And I had always worked with attorneys who came to me after a significant amount of pain in their life, and they wanted to solve a problem. These kids didn't want to solve a problem. They, what they really wanted to do was they wanted to be attorneys. When I asked them, by the way, why they wanted to be attorneys, the resounding answer was because I wanted to have a great life. I wanted to make a lot of money. That, like, that was their general answer. They just believed being an attorney meant that they were going to have a great life and make a lot of money. And when I broke the news of them that the average attorney made $49,000 a year, I think I saw like half the class get up and leave. And I hope they didn't withdraw from law. <laughs> Sorry, Ron, if that ruined anything for you. But anyway, my point is this. Attorneys, I find, get into being their own boss very in a happenstance manner. It's not on purpose. And so they find themselves in chaos very, very quickly even if they're excellent attorneys. And they find getting their way out of freedom takes a long time if they ever figure it out. Many attorneys never do. But you're not many attorneys. You're here. You're on this call because you recognize there was something inside of what I teach that is going to paint this path. And, and what I want you to do is I want you to experience freedom, not within three years. I want you to experience freedom within a couple of years. You know, like I heard the story at Partners Club a couple of weeks ago. David Brennan uh, was doing $150,000 a year when he met me. And, and that was just a couple of years ago, and he, he did just a million dollars last year. 75 weeks ago, uh, Howard Snyder was, had one employee who had just quit on him and was doing you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, a little more than that. And he, and he did just shy of a million dollars this year, and he ha hasn't been in a court, and he just had one six-figure uh, criminal case hire him, and, and, and he's got an attorney that's going to do that for him. He's not going to have to do it. Great things are happening, and it's happening inside of a year. So it's possible. We've watched it happen. And it's possible for you too. This is the one step that you need to master along that path. So let's get going. By the way, if you're, if you're new here and you're stuck and, and you want more, you can, this is my only pitch. Okay. You can go to therichardjames.com forward slash PPGP, personalized practice growth plan. You can schedule some time with us and we'll kind of unpack your practice and figure out what's working and it's not working. And we'll, and we'll invest some time with you. It's a 20 minute call. We can figure it out. That's as big as the pitch gets. Let's get into the 11 step structure of the call. All right. So the first thing it says, I'm, I'm going to, I've broken these out piece by piece. The first thing it says is stop, preframe your state. And then we get into smile, ask the referral question, introduction, harvesting of data, relationship building, book discussion, asking for the order, choice of something and something, let them know the process, ask the do you promise question and recap the relationship. I've highlighted two of the more important ones, which is relationship building and, and recapping the relationship. I, I've also high, highlighted in the presentation that's to follow this, the do you promise section. You can see that the let them know the process is in red. That's the section that I really need to make sure is scripted and, and it is memorized. I would also say that the introduction is, should be scripted and memorized. And as silly as it sounds, the smile should be scripted and memorized. You can hear when I, and you can see me, but you can hear when I'm smiling on the other end of the phone. You just know when I've got a smile on my face as opposed to, yeah, what's going on? Hey, how are you? Law office. I can't tell you how many times I hear this on, when I call law office. Law offices. That's it. It's all I hear. 
law offices. Are you kidding me, right? This person is struggling and they hear this sterile battle axe Bertha answering the phone, angry at the world because they've got to answer one more phone call in the middle of doing whatever else they were doing it was bugging them. And I understand we're busy people, but I'm telling you, not only is it costing you real money, it's costing you the real goal here, which is you can't help that client because if they lose respect for you or lose trust and they leave, you can't help them. So, so let, let's get into this. All right, let me just stop. Any, by the way, we have a chat section. Uh, for those who don't know, down the bottom, some kind of housekeeping stuff. There's the, you can raise your hand. So under your participation, you can raise your hand and, and I could see you raise your hand. So later on when we ask questions, there's also a chat section. You can go ahead and type in the chat if you have a question you want me to stop. I'm not watching you on video to see if you wave your hand at me. Um, I tend to look at the camera so it feels like I'm looking right at you so I don't see all the other stuff, but I do have the chat open and I do have the participants open that you can raise your hand or you can fill out a chat question. All right. So we'll keep going and I'll open up for questions in a little bit, but halfway through and I'm sure we'll have time for some questions. All right. Stop. Preframe your state. The most important thing that the person who's answering the phone has to know is they have to stop and pre-frame their state. What I mean is when the phone rings, I need them to become like a Pavlov dog. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful manner. I need them to hear the phone ring and I need them to go, uh-oh, this is a potential new client. Let me freeze whatever else I, it is I'm doing, turn off my cell phone, close down the other screen, bring up my contact management screen, whatever it is I've got to do. I just got to pre-frame my state and say, okay, I am going to stick to the 11 script steps. Let's have the 11 steps up on the wall. If I'm using software that's managing it like four hours, great. But I know what my job, my job is to assume that that phone call is somebody who's in desperate need of our services and that I'm the difference between them setting an appointment and getting the help they need and not setting the appointment and not getting the help that they need. To illustrate this for you, those of you who've been around for, for a while, you've heard this story, but it is an important story that I think is worth retelling. When I was uh, a young man, I was in the funeral business. When I first started in the funeral business, I lived above the funeral home, and my grandmother lived next to me, and we had one line that rang kind of at everybody's house, my uncle's house, my grandmother's house, and my, my apartment. And like she lived in an apartment next door to me. So anyway, at two o'clock in the morning, my uncle would practice with me. He would want me to answer the phone to see how I would do when somebody called at two o'clock in the morning. And of course, when I would answer the phone the first time, I said, you know, stroke funeral home. Oh, this is Richard, how can I help you? And he'd, he'd just go, not good enough, hang up, try again. And then he'd call me back and not good enough, try again. And I wasn't getting it. And I, what I didn't know is my grandmother was also answering the phone, listening to what I was saying. And the next morning over breakfast, she said to me, Richie, she said, um, you know, I think I can help you with your, with your phone problem. I go, all right, what, what do I have to do? She goes, okay, when the phone rings, and it was this big old, you know, the rotary phone, three, click, 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 four, click, 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 and it rang, and it like vibrated you out of bed. When the phone rings, what I need you to do, the, the phone won't ring more than three times. If it rings three times, it goes to answering service. It goes to answering service, that's no bueno, no good. So you've got to answer it on the third ring, or pardon me, you got to answer it before the fourth ring. So... She said, when the phone rings, you immediately have to swing your feet around the bed. She goes, and you have to sit up and you have to practice. You have to say, stroke funeral home, stroke funeral home, stroke funeral home. And I would do that. And you had to get the frog out of your voice, right? 
And so I was practicing. She told me to practice Strauch Funeral Home. And she goes, and on ring two, you would pick up the phone and you would say, Strauch Funeral Home, this is Rich. How can I help you? And it would sound like you were sitting there all night long just waiting for the phone to ring. And you would be empathetic and you could be sympathetic to what was going on in that family situation because they had just had a loss. And so I did what grandma said. And I did it, ring one, swing my feet across the bed, ring two, practice, ring three, answer the phone, don't never let it get to ring four. And she was proud of me and my uncle was proud of me. Now, I'm 22 years old. Fast forward, three years later, I get married. I'm 25. My wife, who never stayed over the funeral home before, not because we wouldn't be willing to, but because my grandmother stayed next door and that was a no-no, had never stayed in my bed. And so we were married back from the honeymoon, first time, calls are now coming back to me. And here we are, you know, first like day back into the marital bed, three o'clock in the morning, the phone rings and I swing my feet around the bed. I start going, structural, structural, structural. And I grab the phone and she looks over to me like as if she came out of the exorcist and her head spun around and goes, what the hell are you doing? I freaked her out, right? I, I make that story. It's, it's kind of funny. I couldn't hear you laugh. I'm hoping you laughed a little bit. It's a true story. It's not made up. She will tell you it. If you meet my ECIB, my East Coast Italian bride, uh, together now 32 years, uh, married 22 years, 23 years this year, she would tell you that, that is a true story. But the reason I tell you that is because my grandmother was wise enough to know that what I needed to do was I needed to pre-frame my state. I wasn't pre-framing my state. I didn't understand the importance. You know, she put it to me like this. She said, honey, somebody just lost their mom or dad and they're calling you and you answer the phone like you're in a drunken stupor at three o'clock in the morning and you just smoked a pack of Marlboros. She's like, you need to be better at this because we owe it to our clients to serve them in a way that they deserve to be served. I'm telling you, you need to owe it to your clients so they trust you from the very first second they answer the phone pre-frame your state. Sounds like I spent an awful lot of time on not even step one, right? I did, because this is probably the most important part. If you get this wrong, if you're not ready to rock and roll answering the phone or making an outbound call, I'm telling you what, the rest of this isn't going to work, which is why I say it's great to have a software that manages and it's great to know the 11 steps. But if you don't own this as the owner, if you don't make sure they know what they need to do and why this is so important to them, if you can't illustrate to them in a way that my grandmother illustrated to me, this is going to fail in your firm, okay? But if you get it right, you can get the emotional connection across to them. This is going to work in your firm. And by the way, if you're one of those attorneys, I, I don't like, I guess I didn't mention this. The number one sin attorneys commit in a law firm almost every time is until they have came into our world is they answer the phone. The last person that should answer the phone in your office is you. Attorneys shouldn't answer the phone. There are so many reasons for this, but the number one reason for it is that you're preoccupied with so many other things. You typically don't give the attention they need. And the second most important reason for it is you feel compelled to give legal advice because that's what you do. And the goal of the phone call is not to give legal advice. The goal of the phone call is to get them to the next stage in the perfect client life cycle, which is setting the appointment. So if you're a person who already still answers your own phone, I'm telling you, no matter how good you think you are at this, you are making a mistake. Hire somebody else to answer and make outbound phone calls to set appointments for you. I promise you, it will make you money instantly. Okay, step one. Smile, okay? So we talked about this. You can hear a smile on the other end of the phone. Here is your cheat sheet moment for the smile. 
If you've got a phone rep who's answering the phone, the number one thing you wanna do to increase their smile count on the phone is to buy them a mirror. Number one thing. Now they're all gonna complain because they don't wanna look at themselves all day long because they're gonna tell you that they can't stand looking at themselves. Maybe they don't like pictures. Maybe they don't like how their hair looked that day. I promise you they will give you every reason why a mirror seems childish. But if you would put a mirror in front of them, they will talk to themselves and they love talking to themselves and they can see a smile. My wife, my ECIB was my number two sales rep. I say she, she was my number two. I, I would love to say she was my number one, but I, I had a sales rep back when I owned pet supply companies that was just far better than anybody else I've ever met in my life. And my wife, having no experience in this whatsoever, stepped in and quickly became the number two rep. And she will tell you the reason why she became the number two rep is because I took a huge mirror. It was one of those 36 by 24s and had a really nice frame and I put it up right behind her cube area, behind her monitors. And she had that mirror and she looked at herself all day long. She messed with her hair and she put on her makeup. But when she was on the phone, every time she dialed, she knew she was smiling. And she will tell you that that was the reason why she was able to do better than everybody. We had 10 other people on the phone and she had no experience. How does she do it? Well, she's good, but she tells you that it's because she knew she smiled. Put a mirror on your desk. I promise you it will work. Ask the referral question. Most people get this wrong. Now, I wrote these with my understanding in mind, which is why I want to go through these with you. Normally, when people read this, they hear, oh, we're going to ask how they heard about the firm, right? So we're going to find out, did they call from Google, or did they call from our TV ad, or they call from the billboard, or we're going to find that out, right? We're going to figure out how do they come, that's, it's a tracking mechanism. That's not really the reason for step number two. While we will get that information, I prefer tracking uh, not by report in that way. I prefer tracking with actual tracking, tracking phone numbers, tracking URLs and, and the such. But what I want this to do is I want to set up the stage called building a culture of referrals. So when you build a law firm in the beginning stages, you're doing an awful lot of advertising. And when you're doing the advertising, the advertising is costing you a lot of money. But after you start to serve your clients over the years, your referral rate will start to go up. The number of referrals you receive as compared to the number of clients that you hire will start to increase because you'll serve your clients well and they will spread the good word about you and other referral partners will do that as well. Well, what I tell people is let's not leave that to chance. Let's build a culture of referrals from the very first phone call. And so the way we do that is we ask the referral question. So the question goes like this. It's not, how did you hear about us? It's not, where did you find out about us? The question is, who referred you to our firm? Or who referred you to Attorney Smith? Or who you turned you to Mrs. Jones? However you say it, right? But who referred you to our firm? Now that question implies that we expect and expect, pardon me, we expect and we accept referrals, okay? Who referred you to our firm? Okay, so they're gonna say, well, oh, nobody, I found you on Google. Oh, that's okay. I just wanted to make sure I, I determined if somebody sent you over because Attorney Smith likes to say thank you personally 
to the people who send clients over to our firm. So now we've told them something else. We get enough referrals that we know to ask about it. We've also told them from the very beginning that Attorney Smith pays attention to who sends referrals and likes to say a personal thank you to anybody who does. Now we didn't imply that there's a gift. We didn't imply that he does anything other than say thank you, but there's always that question mark. Oh, how does he say thank you? We've done a lot of psychological subliminal things that aids in the number of referrals that we start to get because from the very beginning of the relationship with us, from the very first phone call, we've started the building the culture of referrals. That's what that question's about. Not, did they call from Google? Did they call from the TV? It is the referral question. Most important part is who referred you to our firm? Step number three, the introduction. This is another one of those places that you want to memorize. So inside of the call, people have taken, you know, argument with me, attorneys have argued with me that, that three and four could, should kind of get reversed and you'll see why in a second. So I don't mind if you move this down a little bit, but what I want to make sure you do is that you memorize it. So I want you to know, or whoever's on the phone, I want them to know your elevator speech. My elevator speech is really simple. You know, I worked directly kneecap to kneecap with a local attorney in Phoenix. And in two and a half years, I took him from $0 in sales to three and a half million dollars in annual sales, right? So that's my really, really quick elevator speech. So we need to know what yours is. You know, Attorney Smith has served over 13,150 clients uh, since he's been in practice. He focuses only on family law and uh, he has a holistic approach to divorce. Uh, that's a lousy, but you get my point, okay? So you want to make sure we know what the elevator pitch is. And so they need to know what that introduction is. And if we, and if Attorney Smith wrote the book on the subject, we want to include that into this mix. And we'll talk about that in a second. So the introduction, never guess what we're going to say. Don't say something different every time. Write it out, script it out, have it memorized. Harvesting of data. This is why I say sometimes they like to flip three and four around. Sometimes what we do is we start to harvest the data right away. And I'm okay with that. I'm all right if we start going into harvesting of the data, but I do like structure because I like flow. So when we smile, right? So if we go back and we smile and we ask the referral question, so it's, oh, who referred you to our firm? Oh, you called on Google. Oh, no worries. And Mr. Smith just likes to say a personal thank you to anybody who referred to business. So I always ask that question because he gets an awful lot of referrals. Okay. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, but Mr. Smith actually wrote the book on bankruptcy because he served over 1,150 clients in the last two years and he's eliminated, you know, 9 billion in creditor debt. And so, but before we go any further, what I want to do is I want to make sure the number that you're calling from, that the caller that I see on your call ID, is that your cell phone or is that your office phone or your house? Oh, okay, that's your cell phone. Great. So is that the primary number you'd like us to call? And so now we're going into harvesting of data. Listen, if you call AT&T or Verizon or the cable company or any well-trained big dollar organization, what's the first thing that they do? They make sure they harvest and update your data. What is your address? What is your email address? What is your phone number? Why do they do that? Well, they do it so that they make sure that your records are complete, but they also do it for a reason that they never admit that they're doing it. And if you're a new lead in that world, or if you're a new lead in, in your world, you paid to make the phone ring. So if you're a, a personal injury attorney, you may have paid $300 just to make that phone ring. Some clicks, sometimes people paid $150 just to get a click in personal injury. Uh, on a pay-per-click ad, you may have paid $300 or more 
to get a client to actually pick up the phone and or prospect to pick up the phone and call your office. So if you've paid that much money to, to get that phone to ring, shouldn't you get every single possible piece of information about that lead every single time? Yeah, you should. You should have their email address. You should have their cell phone number. You should have their home address. Why should you have all this stuff? Because if for some reason they get off this phone call and they don't set an appointment or they set the appointment and they don't show up or they show up and they don't hire the firm, we want to be able to communicate with them, as I like to say, until they buy, die, or unsubscribe. And I want to be able to do that with as many formats as humanly possible. So I need to make sure that I have their email address, that I have their cell phone number so I can send them a text message, so that I have their physical address so I can send them an unconverted lead direct mail piece, and so on and so on. So harvesting every single piece of information about every single lead every single time is a fundamental a fundamental important faction inside of a law firm. And it's one of those areas that law firms get wrong all the time. Do you know how many times I talk to law firms for the very first time and I'll ask them their personal, their client life cycle, you know, their perfect client life cycle numbers. I'll say, Hey, how many leads do you have? And they will instantly go to the calendar and they will start counting the number of appointments they have in the calendar. And I'll say, well, why are you counting the appointments on the calendar? Well, that's our leads. Does everybody that calls your office schedule an appointment? And they say, well, no, I'd imagine not. Well, how many people do you have that call the office that don't schedule an appointment? And oftentimes the answer is, I don't know. They have no idea because they don't have this system in place. So a system of harvesting is, is essential. It's one of the three primary components to building any system, harvesting of data, inspection by report, and automation. But in this particular point inside of the 11 steps is we're going to make sure we harvest all of the data about every single call, every single time. Five, relationship building. By far the most important thing that we do. I said that this 11 step process is going to help you set more appointments, and it's going to help you get more people to show, and it's gonna get help you get more people to hire the firm. And that's what this does, relationship building. Step number five, it's where the rubber meets the road. This is where your pro the person that's on the phone in your world says to the person that's calling, Whenever they say some open-ended question like, tell me what's going on for you. Why did you call our firm today? And they tell them something, right? Oh, I just got sued. My spouse just filed for a divorce. I got a DUI last night. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. The next question out of your rep's mouth, this is the writer downer. Tell me more about that. Now it's a question statement. Tell me more about that. It's all I want them to say. And I want them to say that three levels deep if I can, because I want them to be able to get to the next level and the next level. Oh, I got a DUI. Well, I was out with some friends. I never drink and drive. So-and-so did this, they did that. I had to get behind the wheel of the car. Oh, no kidding. Tell me more about that. What was going on with you? You were going out with your friends. Oh, what well, was a bachelor party? Oh, well, who got married? Oh, well, my, my best friend got married. Oh, are you married too? Yeah, I'm married to us. Oh, so your wife let you go to a bachelor party. Yeah, you guys have kids. Yep. So all of a sudden, tell me more about that. I just ask more questions. Be naturally curious. People don't want to hear you talk. People want to hear themselves talk. And they want for the first time, probably since whatever happened to them happened to them, they want to be able to tell their story to somebody. If we get this section right, 
and you put a person on the phone who's naturally curious about the true betterment of others, what you will find is your engagement will go up. Now, here's where you know you got this right. If Sally is the person in your office who's answering the phone, when somebody sets an appointment, when they come to the office and they ask to see Sally, you know you've got this right. Because Sally built such a rapport with them that Sally's the one that they wanted to see, not the attorney, not Mr. Jones, not Attorney Smith. They wanted to talk to Sally because Sally made them feel good. Building a relationship is the number one job. It is not most important to get off the phone fast. I don't care if initial consultations take 10 minutes, meaning setting an initial consultation on the phone. I don't care if it takes 10 minutes. I don't care if it takes 15 minutes. I need a relationship built. Now, you've got to learn how to control the call. You've got to make sure we're not just chit-chatting. And we're going to make sure we bring it back to the main point. But we want to build a relationship, okay? Most important part of this process. Book discussion. If you've been around my world at all, if you've heard me talk at all, you know that I'm a fan of building authorship, celebrity, and expert. If you have a book, you should bring it up. So once they say their problem and they tell you what's going on inside of your book, you've likely told them what's going on. You've talked about their problem somewhere in your book. The person on the phone needs to have your book dear, uh, earmarked, dog-eared, highlighted, posted, noted, memorized. They need to know where every single problem is in that book. And they need to say to them, oh, you got a DUI and you're a nurse and you're worried about losing your license? Oh, no, you know what? Attorney Smith, he wrote about that in his book. I'm going to send you a copy of it, but you should write this down. Page 23, he talks all about losing your professional license if you get a DUI and what you need to do. And as a matter of fact, I'll probably send you an electronic copy when we're done too, but I want to make sure you know that that's in the book. And, and so we just tie the book in. We reinforce the authorship celebrity expert. We're reinforcing that they are at the right place. The guy or gal that they're going to talk about literally wrote the book on the subject of the frustration that they're going through. You wrote a book, use it not only in your marketing, but use it inside of the 11-step plan. Okay, keep going. Asking for the order. So, when you hire somebody on the phone, it's really important that you try to hire somebody with some sales experience. If you try to put somebody on the phone, like let's say you have a paralegal who has a really nice voice and you figure you're gonna put he or she on the phone. Maybe that would be a win, but it may be a loss because we may be asking a cat to be a dog. And what I mean by that is if they're not a salesperson, make no bones about it, the person answering these calls needs to be a salesperson. And the person doing the selling is the person doing the asking. And the person doing the talking is the person doing the buying. That's the rule. And so on a sales call, you have to ask for the order. And what that looks like inside of an 11-step system is you have to give them a choice of something and something rather than a choice of something and nothing. Let me give you an example. Most folks, when they're scheduling an appointment, will say, well, I have some openings in the next couple of days. What's good for you? That's a choice of something and nothing. Well, nothing's good for me in the next couple of days. Or would you like to schedule an appointment? That's a choice of something and nothing. That's a yes or no question. No, the question should be, hey, we've got some openings this afternoon. It looks like you're gonna have your foreclosure happen on Tuesday, today's Thursday. Uh, Mr. Smith has got some openings this afternoon or tomorrow morning. Which would be better for you to save your house? See, that's the choice of something and something. 
not something and nothing. Always the choice between two. And then when they say, well, morning would be better. Oh, great. Well, I have a 9 a.m. or an 11 a.m. Which would work better for you? And then people say, well, what if I don't have two choices on that day? Okay, well, give them a choice of that and something else. If that's not going to work, we could look into next week. So which is going to work better for you? Tomorrow at nine, morning, 9 in the morning? Or do we have to look at next week? Don't just give them the choice of one. Because if you give them a choice of something and nothing, there's a possibility that they say nothing. And if they say nothing, people love to say no. And once you get them down the path of saying no, before you know it, they are going to say no and they're going to leave the call. You have to control the process, which is why I want somebody who has sales experience setting appointments. Specifically, if they have appointment setting experience, even better. Okay. Let them know the process. This again was another highlighted section. This is a memorization section. What I mean by that is, in many cases, your law firm will send a confirmation email that you'll want them to give, you'll give them directions on how to get to the firm. You'll tell them what to bring with them, hopefully very little. You'll tell them maybe what they have to do before they get there. I need this memorized. So, oh, Mr. Smith, I wanna thank you for setting the appointment with Attorney Jones today. I want you to know that as soon as we're off the call, you're going to receive a text message notification about the appointment. It's going to have a link to some directions. In addition, we'll send you an email that will also have link to directions as well as a link to the book that we talked about that Mr. Attorney Smith wrote. You can look at that right away. I'm also going to send you the book in the mail with some other information that you might find interesting. You should have that within the next 24 hours. Don't worry if that doesn't show up until after your appointment. That's okay. And finally, I want you to know that at our firm, we like to remind you by the phone, we like the in-person touch. And so somebody will be giving you a call to remind you about your appointment and we move on. So now we've let them know the process. That has to be memorized. Whatever your process is, it shouldn't be happenstance. It shouldn't be sometimes we say it and sometimes we don't. It shouldn't be make it up as we go. No, verbatim, word for word, memorize, no other way. Memorize it, repeat it, memorize it, repeat it. It is memorized memorized or it's on software like four i software on a screen in front of you and you read it but even if it's on screen in front of you memorize it because i don't want it to sound like you're reading i want to sound like you own it just like i just sound okay it bridges into the next question which is the do you promise so i just told them all the things i'm going to do and i say now mr smith just real quick i want you to know that we don't take these appointments lightly and mr attorney jones only has so many spots i just if you could make me a quick promise if for whatever reason you can't make it to the appointment, would you please be sure to call us and let us know? Can you make me that promise? Now it's vital that you say, can you make me that promise? It's vital that you say, do you promise? You have to have the promise word in there. By the way, it's the one area of this whole thing that I get the most pushback on. Everybody says, oh, do I have to say promise? Do I have to say promise? Yes, you have to say promise, okay? Because if you don't say promise, we don't trigger the psychological advantage the promise gives inside of the human brain. Humans keep their promises for the most part. And so when we ask them to promise something, they know psychologically that this is a big deal. And if they can't make it, they are going to call you and reschedule. And more likely than not, they are just going to show up because they made a promise to you. Ask the promise question. I promise you it will work. Finally, recapping the relationship. Recapping the relationship is this. This is where we basically take the problem that they told us they had. So we found out that they have a DUI. We found out that they have a nursing license. 
and they've got, they're married and kids. And so what we're going to do is we're going to end the call with, so Mr. Smith, I want you to know that attorney Smith doesn't take your situation lightly. He's going to do everything that he can to make sure that we protect your nursing license and make sure you're still able to put food on the table for those kids of yours. Okay. And so what we've just done is we've let Mr. Smith know that we've been listening to him because nobody listens to anybody anymore. And we've let Mr. Smith know that his situation is important to us. And we've just put a tidy little bow on the entire process. And what happens when you do that is people show up to their appointments. What happens when you do that is when they show up, they ask for Sally who answered the phone. And what happens when you do that is when they meet with the attorney or the initial consultation consultant who meets with them, they are more likely to hire your firm because they have a high level of trust from the very beginning. Recap the relationship. Don't miss it. It's not something you can memorize. It's something you have to own. And it can only happen if you've actually built the relationship in the first step, step number five. So when you build a relationship, if you can't remember it, if your person on the phone isn't really great at it, you need to take it and you need to write it down. By the way, if anybody from Four Eyes is on the call, if you're listening, it's a great idea. If we can, if whatever they wrote in the relationship section, if they wrote something in there, we could have it show back up for them again. I don't know if we do that right now, but I think it's a great idea. I just thought of it. Anyway, that's the 11 steps, okay? The 11 steps of setting a consult, each and every one of them are vital and they stack on the one before. We've got some time. It's top of the hour. I've set this for a little bit after. I'm happy to answer anybody's question. If you want to raise your hand, you can. If you're new in our world and you want to schedule a personalized practice growth plan with us to see how your firm is ranking kind of in the realm of this 11 steps or anything regarding systems, we're happy to do that with you. Uh, you can type your question in the chat. It's over here. I'll stick around for a couple minutes and I'll answer any questions that you have.